Welcome to What Consumers Want, the podcast that brings the voice of the consumer to the healthcare conversation. Are you interested in getting outside the healthcare echo chamber? Using research and insights, we explore key healthcare opportunities through the eyes of the end consumer. We examine trends outside of healthcare that are driving consumer expectations, as well as what consumers expect from brands now and in the future. This podcast is brought to you by MDRG, a market research firm that unlocks the whole mind for deeper insights. I'm your host, Lauren McCabe. Let's find out what consumers want. In this episode, we are going to explore diversity, equity, and inclusion in healthcare. We have a great conversation on deck for you with MDRG president and founder, Sandra Brown, and our guest, Karen Ashley, vice president and chief diversity and equity and inclusion officer, at Providence, a national healthcare system. You will hear Karen and Sandra dig into how healthcare systems can bridge gaps in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how Providence is doing so right now. Later, you'll hear from me, Lauren McCabe, consumer strategist at MDRG, about the change makers and disruptors who are advancing equity in the delivery of healthcare. And finally, we will, of course, hear from our consumers. This month, we ask consumers, How can healthcare providers ensure that you are acknowledged and listened to? Let's hear what people had to say. I believe that healthcare providers can ensure that I feel acknowledged and listened to if they respond to emails and text messages, if they can do a text message, which would be wonderful. Within a 24-hour period. I know doctors and healthcare providers are terribly busy and rushed and have so many requirements, but just to slow down a minute would make me feel like they knew what I needed. I feel like they should be listening to you and be more empathetic with your feelings. I'd like to be given more than one choice of treatment. I think one of the biggest ways healthcare workers can ensure that their patients are being listened to and acknowledged is by specifically saying, you know, please let me know, am I hearing you correctly? And summarizing and repeating back what they said and giving the patients an opportunity to correct them or fill in any gaps. As you heard, there are so many different ways that consumers want to be acknowledged when seeking care. In our next interview with Karen Ashley from Providence, she shows exactly how acknowledgement and listening is instrumental in building an inclusive healthcare system. Okay, so I'm here with Karen Ashley, who is the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Providence Health. So welcome, Karen. Really appreciate you being on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Tell us a little bit about your role at Providence. Sure. So my role at Providence involves leading our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. We are in the process here at Providence of developing our first ever comprehensive consolidated DEI strategic plan. I am super excited about the work that we're doing to build this strategic plan. It's a 2023 to 2025 strategic plan. That is what I have the honor and privilege of of doing here at Providence. So it's great, great to be here and super excited about the team, about all of my key partners and collaborators, senior leadership support, just, can you tell I'm excited? Can you tell I'm excited? <laughs> I'm excited that Providence is really leaning into this, really developing a very deliberate strategy to go forward. I'm singing to the choir here and that the last three years or so since the beginning of the pandemic, DEI has been such a significant focus for many organizations and particularly, I'd like to just 
get your thoughts on why do you think healthcare has been so clueless in this arena and how has it missed the mark? We can extend a little grace to companies and corporations, organizations across all industries in our country. So so let's back up to even, you know, there was COVID, the pandemic that hit. And then there was, as some of my friends and colleagues describe it, the daylight death of George Floyd. And, and I'll tell you, in, in all honesty, I think both of those back to back, if I could just call them just, just horrific events, really kind of served as a wake up call, not to just healthcare, but to a lot of companies and industries, like I said, across the country. And then quite honestly, honestly, I believe a wake up call even to our country, even around the globe as we begin to see just a lot of focus, a lot of focus and so many companies, like I said, and and leaders across the globe realized we are not as far along in this journey as we thought we were. Yeah, I could not agree with you more about the importance of those two very tragic but pivotal events that really served as a wake-up call. And I I love your comments that we need to extend ourselves some grace. So I'm going to hold to that going forward. Let's keep talking a little bit about this idea. And I'm curious, what do you think the consumer expectations within healthcare organizations, what are those expectations that we are struggling to meet when it comes to our DEI efforts? Yeah, well, you know, I will tell you as a Black African-American woman, right, my family as I was growing up, this just kind of this, this inherent, you know, and historical mistrust of the healthcare system so many biases, the microaggressions, the assumptions that we are the recipients of when it comes to our health care have just, just caused this generation of mistrust in the healthcare system, in doctors, in healthcare providers across the board. And so I think that where hospitals and healthcare systems, what they're beginning to realize is that this is real. This is real from the consumer, from the patient perspective, right? And I believe it's such as we are at, at Providence are beginning to realize that it's a gap that we have to close, that we have to have not just providers, but we have to have a holistic experience for our patients and consumers. You know, as we talk about empathy, as we talk about empathy, it begins from the moment a patient or a consumer calls to schedule an appointment. It begins from the moment a patient or a consumer shows up in the emergency department or in a clinic. And so, you know, I believe that we're beginning to, to realize and to understand that we have to have a workforce beyond just doctors and nurses. We need to have a workforce, a frontline workforce, right, that is empathetic and that understands cultural competency, that understands, you know, we can't treat all patients the same way because their issues, because their concerns, because their historical backgrounds, their experiences are different. And so I believe that that is a journey that healthcare systems, 
are on right now. And again, I'm going to say, going to say it's just super exciting to be a part of the journey to help Providence and this industry begin to pivot and to turn a corner and begin to start closing some of these gaps. You talked a bit about this first ever strategic plan that is going to take you from 2023 to 2025. Tell us a bit about that strategy and how you at Providence are aligning that around your DEI efforts. Sure, sure, sure. So first, let me start by saying we spent a lot of time gathering information, conducting a listening tour last year. So I spent five to six months on the road last year visiting with our caregivers across the entire footprint of Providence. I spoke with close to 600 of our employees, listening to their stories and their experiences with respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion in Providence. And we also, from our caregiver engagement survey, we have an inclusion index where we trended that data for about three years just to gather some insight as to how are we doing from an inclusion perspective. And then, of course, we studied the trend of our workforce demographics And we use all of that information to inform our 2023 to 2025 DEI strategic plan. You know, it's important to us that the voices of our workforce, our caregivers are represented in this strategic plan. So we've, we did a lot of due diligence, due diligence up front to build this strategic plan. We have an intent statement, which is somewhat of our vision statement that serves as our North Star. And the intent statement reads as this, you belong at Providence. We're advancing world-class health with human connection through our shared commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so while this strategic plan is still somewhat in draft form, we're socializing it, we're close to, to finalizing it, but it's important that we have that North Star, that intent statement, that vision. You know, we want to make sure that everyone, no matter who you are, that you have a sense of belonging, that you belong at Providence. The uh, strategic plan has three pillars. The first one being promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion. The second pillar is caring for each other in our communities. And then the third pillar is on being courageous champions of change. So we're approaching this strategy, this strategic work from an internal perspective and then also from an outward external perspective as well. We want to make sure that there are strategies in place, not only to help our workforce and our caregivers feel a sense of belonging and a sense of inclusion and that they have access and pathways to growth and development opportunities. We also want to make sure that our patients and the communities that we serve know and understand that this is work that is important to us and that is a priority for us. 
So, you know, there are tactics within the strategic plan that even speak to ensuring that we have leadership that is representative from our frontline all the way up to our boards. So our regional boards, our community boards. So it's a it's a very comprehensive strategic plan. I could go on and on talking about it because, again, I'm so excited about where we are and how we've drafted this plan and how many of our caregivers have had an opportunity to, to weigh in on it. So let me stop right there because I could talk probably for the rest of rest of our time together about our strategic plan. <laughs> I love that you had such an extensive listening tour. I'd love to hear more about the inclusion index. That's piqued my interest. Sure, sure. So we conduct an annual employee survey. We call it caregiver engagement, caregiver experience survey. And as a part of that survey, we have several questions that make up inclusion index. And those questions are designed to measure how included our caregivers feel here at Providence. And so we carve those nine questions out of the survey and we slice and dice the data for those nine questions by race, by ethnicity, by gender, by geographic footprint, by job level, by job category. We do all of that work to gather insights, to gather insights as to how our employees, what their state of inclusion, how they feel about, you know, whether or not they feel included. Is their voice, are their voices heard? Are their opinions taken into consideration? Those are some of the things that we try to pinpoint with respect to this inclusion index. And so that actually, is one of the metrics that we've identified, the inclusion index that will help us track and measure the second pillar of the strategic plan that I shared with you just a little bit earlier. So we're very serious about, you know, fostering and creating a culture of inclusion and then coming up with, you know, with a mechanism this inclusion index to measure and track whether or not we're making progress on creating a culture of inclusion for our caregivers. Excellent. So I want to pivot a bit to some work that we're doing here at MDRG. And it kind of picks up on your earlier comment about the importance of empathy. So what we're doing is developing a four-part series. And one of those series is to really think about how empathy can help bridge some of these DEI gaps. And one of the definitions that I like for empathy, there's so many out there, is that empathy is seeing with the eyes of another, listening with the ears of another, and feeling with the heart of another. So I'm curious what your thoughts are with respect to this notion of empathy and its role in this broader DEI conversation that we're having, but also that we're having as an industry and we're having as a country? It's a great question. So, you know, if I can, if I can go back to the listening tour sessions that I conducted, right? And so in each location, I had two 90-minute sessions, one with core leaders and then a second session with individual contributors. And so as we're on this topic of empathy, 
it was interesting to sit in my space, in my role, which was just to facilitate the conversations and to listen. And so in so many of our sessions, the conversation started out very high level. Everything is fine. We don't have any issues. Everything is great. And then it would just take, if I tell you, Sandra, one person, one person who would be courageous enough to to say, "Well, well, hold on just a minute. Let me share with you what my experience has been. And once that person would finish telling their story and their experience, you could almost hear a pin drop in the room and people begin to understand that, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I mean, and literally I had people who would, who, who sat in the circle and would say, I've worked with you for 20 years and I never knew that. I never knew that. And it created, it would create just such a dialogue where you'd see the humility you know, begin to rise up and people will begin to understand, oh my goodness, there's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that I thought I knew, but oh my goodness, here's my coworker who is also a friend who has had some experiences that I've just absolutely have not been privy to. And so when we talk about empathy and people beginning to understand, oh my goodness, I need to begin to broaden my horizon. I need to begin to open my thinking, to open my heart, right? And to be a little bit more vulnerable and to allow myself to exercise empathy and to hear other people's stories and to begin to, as best I can, try to understand their situations and their experiences And do what I can from my seat or from my place to disrupt some of what they're experiencing, some of the barriers that are getting in their way. So, you know, this whole notion of empathy, it has to be organic. It has to be authentic. And and quite honestly, I believe a lot of it comes from having conversations and people giving themselves to be vulnerable and to say, there's just so much that I don't know. And, you know, a lot of times, and it works both ways. A lot of times, if I can be honest here, I think a lot of times our white caregivers, Caucasian friends, caregivers and colleagues, they feel that the ownership is on them. But I think it's ownership on everyone's part to exercise vulnerability and to be open and to be willing to learn and to exercise empathy. I'd love your thoughts as we begin to wrap up on how the industry really needs to evolve in order to ensure that we are putting empathy into practice. And those who are, again, from a different sexual orientation, race, ethnic identity, are feeling as though we are listening and providing culturally sensitive care. What does that evolution look like? Sure. So I would say the evolution looks like 
the industry, healthcare industry, you know, as we sit in communities and serve communities, that we also have to be citizens of the communities where we serve, that we have to be engaged and involved with the communities, that the communities need to know us as well. And again, you know, I'm going to say kudos. I'm so proud of the work that Providence is doing. We launched not too long ago a Stand Up to Cancer initiative where we collaborated with Black churches. And this was in our South Division, so in California and L.A., area. We partnered with Black churches to raise awareness about the importance of colon cancer, right? Color cancer screening. You know, as we know, Chadwick had the unfortunate timely death and was such a such a huge, huge, huge pillar in the community and a spokesperson for colon cancer. You know, the work that Providence came alongside with 30 Black pastors from across Los Angeles to talk about the importance of colon cancer and getting screened and how important it is for the health of the community overall. That's an example of how the industry can begin to be a part of the communities and to close some of these health equity gaps and to build trust right, in the communities that that's taking the work directly to the communities and addressing addressing healthcare problems that are prevalent in certain communities. That's the type of work that the healthcare industry can continue to do. You know, and I know healthcare systems across the country are beginning to do, you know, this type of work. That's important. We, you know, have community health workers here at Providence that are out, you know, in the communities meeting with with the citizens and the members of the communities, you know, helping them with transportation needs, you know, having conversations with them about why it's so important for them to keep their medical appointments, talking with them about diet and just health care, mental health and that sort of thing, you know, taking the work directly to the communities and building that trust, building that bridge to help people feel comfortable. It's okay. It's okay. Your health is what matters. Your health is what matters. So if if you're not comfortable coming to us, we'll come to you. My last question before we wrap up is, what are your hopes for where healthcare will be in the future? What would you imagine in the next five years, in the next 15 years, the ideal state to look like? Oh, wow. That is a great question. I will start with this. From a DEI perspective, the day where companies get to the point where they can say diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's just second nature for us, second nature. We do diversity, equity, and inclusion without even thinking about it. We don't have to talk about it. It just happens. I will say the same for healthcare. My hope, my prayer, and I know we will get there, is that we get to a point where patients, consumers from all different walks of life trust their doctors, they trust their nurses, they trust that when they walk into a hospital that they're going to be treated fairly and equitably. 
in an empathetic manner as we're talking about empathy with care and with love and with kindness. My prayer and my hope is that we get to a point where if you're Black, if you're Latina, if you're Asian, if you're um, a part of the LGBTQ, a plus community, if you're a veteran, if you're disabled, regardless, regardless of your background, that you feel comfortable seeing a doctor or a nurse or a practitioner who looks different from you, who may have a different background from you, where, where that becomes a non-issue. That when I walk into a doctor's office, as I'm sitting in the room, as I'm waiting you know, to have a surgical procedure, that it doesn't matter if my surgeon is Asian and I'm Black, I trust that that surgeon is going to take care of me to the best of his or her ability, and maybe even go beyond that. If I'm white, my hope and my prayer is that I get to a point where it doesn't matter that a Black doctor, a Black nurse is going to take just as good a care of me as a white nurse or a doctor will. So in essence, what I'm saying is my prayer, my hope is that we get to a point in healthcare where it becomes a non-issue. It becomes a non-issue and that there's trust all around, that there's trust. Great parting thought. And, you know, this idea that DEI is so ingrained into the DNA of the system that it's not something that we even have to be developing plans around anymore. Karen, is there anything else that you'd love to share with the people that will be listening to this podcast? I know there's so much more we could have talked about. Yes, yes, indeed. So, you know, I will say to the people who are listening to this podcast, lean into this work. As we talked about the third pillar of our strategy being courageous champions of change. Let's just deputize, Sandra, how about we do this? Let's deputize everyone who's listening to the podcast as a champion of change. And I would encourage everyone, no matter what your job is, no matter what your role is, do what you can to positively affect change in this healthcare industry. You know, as you go to your providers, your doctors and your physicians, ask them questions. Ask them questions about whether or not they've gone to DEI training. Ask them questions about if they've gone to implicit bias training or what their DEI journey is. You know, and encourage, encourage them in that way. So I just encourage everyone, lean into this work. Don't don't be afraid of it. Be courageous champions of change, you know, and just commit to wanting to leave our healthcare system in a better place that, than we found it. Hey, you all heard it. You are now deputized as courageous champions. I accept the challenge and I hope <laughs> that everyone else will as well. Thank you, Karen. This has been such a great conversation. I have really appreciated your time and I look forward to sharing our conversation out more broadly. Just a reminder to those who are listening about our empathy series. The link to that is in the show notes if you are interested in getting a sense of what we are doing here at MDRG. Thank you. A big thank you to Karen for sharing her insights. Next up, we are going to explore the consumer trends that are disrupting healthcare. 
Our focus this month, equity. Welcome to Outside the Echo Chamber, where we talk about trends impacting healthcare. Today, we are talking about the changemakers and disruptors who are advancing equity in healthcare. Let's talk about the maternal health crisis. The maternal mortality rate in the U.S. is three times higher than other high-income countries. Birth is even riskier for Black American women. When 55 women die per 100,000 births versus 19 deaths per 100,000 births for white women. And side note, in the Netherlands, which is the safest place in the world to give birth, only 1.2 women die per 100,000 births. So what is being done to address this? She Matters is a digital health platform that supports Black mothers with culturally competent care, has published their, quote, pink book, end quote. This interactive map combines data on maternal outcomes from the CDC and U.S. News, showing where the safest healthcare systems are for Black women to give birth. Currently, they spotlight hospital systems in the 14 U.S. states with the largest African-American populations, but they plan to expand coverage soon. Key takeaway here for healthcare systems, you must proactively share data and show what you are doing to bridge disparities and care gaps. If you don't, others will do it for you. Along the lines of maternal care, Walmart is paying for doula services in four U.S. states with the highest maternal mortality rates. That's Louisiana, Georgia, Illinois, and Indiana. As shared by Walmart, quote, we have chosen to expand the doula benefit to these states in particular because we see potential to have an instant impact for our associates who live there, end quote. Walmart joins other major companies like CVS and Microsoft that offer coverage for doula care. Shifting to broader efforts, there also has been an increase in healthcare startups that are addressing the need for culturally competent care. Suvita Health, launched in October of 2022, delivers care to elderly, elderly Hispanic patients. Patients can choose to get care at home, virtually, or in a clinic. And care in a clinic, it features larger than average exam rooms, so patients can bring their extended family as well as bilingual providers. Key t- takeaway for healthcare system, culturally competent care looks at the social determinants of health and addresses all of them, including how patients want to receive care and what will make them the most comfortable. City Block, another disruptor in the space, provides medical care and additional support to help increase favorable outcomes. CityBlock says, quote, count on us for the things in your life that affect your well-being, such as childcare support, setting up checkups and appointments, even getting groceries and finding a place to live, end quote. Wrapping up here, it's more important than ever that traditional healthcare is proactively reporting gaps in a care and addressing them in a 360-degree way, taking into account the patient's life outside the clinic. Looking to and collaborating with the disruptors will go a long way in starting the journey to a more equitable healthcare system. We'd like to give a big thank you to our guest, Karen, and of course, the consumers who share their thoughts with us today. If you are looking for more information on this topic, you can subscribe to our four-part Empathy White Paper series. We will be releasing the fourth and final white paper this month and have covered empathy in the workplace, as well as how empathy can drive more equitable healthcare. You can go to our show notes for a link to that content. 
All right, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please share, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. For more content about simplifying healthcare, visit mdrginc.com. That's mdrginc.com. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for change makers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. We'll see you next time on What Consumers Want.